Welcome to the Compass Podcast, featuring Chris Shandro and the Compass team. We hope this message is just for you. So when I was a kid, there was a cartoon character that I discovered, and he inspired me. Um, he made me feel like I could be powerful. Um, and, and let me just introduce you to just one of my cartoon heroes from when I was a kid. Go ahead, guys. One for Olive, one for Peabye, Popeye, Popeye, and one for Pipeye. But we said we hate spinach. Hate spinach? You have to eat it to get health, strength, and vitality. Hamburgers does that and also tastes good. Is that so? Well, just look here and I'll explain to you how spinach helped your Uncle Popeye in his picture, the Anvil Chorus Oil. So one of the things I loved about Popeye, it was that his strength wasn't because he was an alien from another planet, like they got sent here and our son gave him powers and he was bit by a radioactive spider. I love Popeye because his strength was something that was available to me, and that was spinach, right? <laughs> spinach made him strong. And in fact, let me, let, me exp- let me just show you in Popeye's own words what spinach did for him. Go ahead and shoot this one up, guys. Oh, I'm Popeye the Sailor Man. I'm Popeye the Sailor Man. I'm strong to the finish because I eat me spinach. I loved it. And like, okay, I watched Popeye. I saw these cartoons when I was a kid and I was, I was a scrawny little kid and you better believe that when I was a kid that I ate spinach. Okay, it was gross, but I did it. There were times when I was by myself at home, like during the summer, no school, and I would just be like, I would pop out a can of spinach and I would put it in the microwave and I would eat it. Because I mean, I was just this, I was, I was a textbook, you know, 90 pound weakling, choking down that spinach because I just wanted to be like Popeye, right? I wanted to be the little guy who could, who could be strong to the finish. And no joke, like, even to this day, like, you better believe, every time I drink a smoothie, you know what's in that smoothie? Spinach. <laughs> it is. And here's the thing, man, I wanted to be strong. God wants you to be strong. God wants each and every single one of us to be strong. And you may feel like a spiritual weakling. You may be here and, and you may feel spirit, like a spiritual weakling because you don't know a ton about the Bible and you don't know a ton about God and you feel like your lack of knowledge makes you weak. Uh, and maybe even as a result of that, you feel like you doubt your faith. It, you feel a little bit discouraged. You feel like, I don't know if I can really put my hope and my trust in this thing because it just makes me feel weak. You might be here and, and maybe you're a follower of Jesus. Maybe you're not a follower of Jesus and you feel weak because life is just throwing punches at you and your circumstances are just like a big old bully and, and they just keep, it keeps knocking you down. And maybe there's actual people in your life who just keep knocking you down. And as a result, you just feel weak and you just don't feel strong and you don't know if you can make it. But God wants you to be strong to the finish. God wants you to make it all the way. And here's the thing. If God wants something for your life, if it's God's will for you to be strong, then you better believe this, that God is going to make a way for you to be strong. And so today I want to talk to you about some spiritual spinach, okay? I want to talk to you about something that will make you strong to the finish, uh, and that's part of God's plan to make us spiritual 
powerhouses to make you spiritual Popeyes and to make you spiritually strong. And so today we're going to look at a passage out of the book of Hebrews, out of the New Testament. Now, the book of Hebrews uh, was a letter written to uh, really primarily Jewish Christians. We don't know who wrote it necessarily. Some people think the Apostle Paul wrote it. Some people think it might have been somebody else. But the book of Hebrews was written to a group of primarily Jewish Christians uh, who were also called Hebrews because they were Jewish. And, uh, and, and the letter was written to people who were really feeling kind of weak. It was written to some people who were feeling discouraged in their faith, people who had believed in Jesus, but because of this, this sense of spiritual weakness that they were feeling, they were having doubts. And they were insecure about their belief and their hope that they had placed in Jesus. And they began questioning the foundations of their faith in Jesus. We're going to look at a passage out of Hebrews chapter 6. And this is what the writer says. He says, so let us stop going over the basic teachings about Christ again and again. Let us go on instead to become mature in our understanding. So he's saying this. He's saying, let's just get to the heart of this, okay? Let's stop, let's stop fooling around with just the basics. Let's stop fooling around with the ABCs, and let's get to the heart of the thing, of what, it, what will take you from being spiritually weak, from being spiritual children. What's that thing that's going to take you to being spiritually mature adults, to take you from being spiritually weak you know, the 90-pound weekly, someone's kicking sand in your face. What's going to take you and make you spiritually strong? And in a lot of ways, the writer of, of Hebrews, I think in a lot of ways, particularly in this passage, is a lot like Popeye, right? And he's sitting down, his, his four nephews, and he's saying, listen, if you eat your spinach, this is what's going to happen, right? And by the way, just so you know, like, I think this is hilarious. Like, Popeye's nephews, you got Pip-Eye, you got Pup-Eye, you got Peep-Eye, and no joke, the fourth one, his name is Poop-Eye. <laughs> I thought that was worth sharing. Anyway, so, so the writer of Hebrews is like, Popeye, sit his nephews down and saying, listen, if you eat your spiritual spinach, it will make you strong, okay? It's time to stop being immature. It's time to stop being weak. And it's time to eat your spiritual spinach. And it's time to start being, you know, stop being little boys and to start being strong sailor men. And so he continues on. And he says this. Our great desire is that you will eat your spinach to grow up big and strong. Okay, that's not really what he says. But I'm going to leave that in there because I believe this. I believe that the, the, the point, the thing that he's trying to say is there's one thing if you do this. It will make you strong. It will make you powerful. And if you understand what that thing is. So he continues. Our great desire is that you will eat your spinach to grow up big and strong in order to make certain that what you hope for will come true. So what do you hope for? What do you, what do you desire? What is it that you want want to see happen in your life? Do you want to be, do you want to stop being weak? Do you want to stop feeling like, like you are just at the, at the whim and the, the control of every wind that life blows your way? Do you want to, is your hope that you can just stand strong on your own two feet to not be bullied by life, but to be strong and full of hope, full of power and full of the strength and confidence of those people who know that God has their back? If that's what you hope for, do you want to be spiritually mature, spiritually mature and spiritually thriving? Eat your spinach. He goes on and he says this. He says, when you do that, then you will not become spiritually dull and indifferent. Instead, you will follow the example of those who are going to inherit God's promises because of their faith and endurance. 
Now, I've been in this position myself, and I'm, I mean, in a room this size, I'm very confident there are people in this room who have, who have felt this as, as well. There have been times in my life where I have felt spiritually indifferent and spiritually dull. There have been times in my life where I've, I've taken my faith seriously and I've, I've believed in Jesus, but at the same time, I've just felt like, meh. And I, I've wanted God to do something in my life, and I've wanted to feel his presence, I've wanted to experience his power, but it just, I don't know, it just feels like nothing's happening. And when it feels like nothing's happening, it feels like maybe nothing's really there. And there's this sense that, you know, I'll go to church on Sunday because it's what we do, and I'll go to church on Sunday because I know it's what I believe, but when I hit the world on Monday, when I hit school or work, my spiritual self just kind of just hangs on the coat rack until I take it back off for next Sunday because I'm kind of indifferent to it. And you might be here, and that might be exactly where you are. Maybe you're at a point right now where that, that concerns you a little bit, where re- realizing that and recognizing that is a factor in your life that 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 freaks you out maybe a little bit, that you're spiritually indifferent. Maybe you've been spiritually dull and indifferent for so long that it doesn't freak you out, and maybe when you're hearing it right now, it freaks you out that you're not freaked out by your own spiritual indifference. What the writer of Hebrews is saying, he's saying, listen, there is a thing, there's this ingredient, this factor in your life that if it is missing, it will allow you to not only just be weak, but it will, it will, it will guide you into just spiritual indifference and dullness. And when you, when you feel that way, when you are experiencing that in your life, it is a red flag that you're walking in spiritual weakness. And it is a red flag that there is something crucial that is missing from your spiritual diet. There is some spinach that you do not have in your life. Can I grab the, the notes right down there? My iPad just died. I didn't charge it very well last night, so I just want to be aware. So what is that thing? Like, what is the thing that God wants us to know and experience in our lives? What is the spiritual spinach, and how do we live it out? And this is what what the writer of Hebrews says in that first verse that we replace with spinach. He says this, our great desire is that you will keep on loving others as long as life lasts. Now, I know that like the title of this message series is Love Won't Let Me Down. So like literally, probably as soon as I started this, the mystery was probably pretty weak, right? You're probably like, I'm probably like, there's this thing and I'm gonna call it spinach and you're like, it's love. (laughs) Because it seems so obvious, right? It seems like just like it's the thing, duh, it's love. If I love, then it's gonna be a thing. And the writer of Hebrews says that. He says, if you love one another, if you love people as long as life lasts, you will not be spiritually indifferent. You won't be spiritually dull. You will not be a weakling. It will make you strong. And the things that you hope for, for your life, for your family, those things that you're, that you're striving and hoping for, for yourself, for your marriage, for your children, that those things can come to be because love will make you strong. But I think this, as easy as it is to guess that that might be the answer, I don't think that we totally understand what that really means. And let me explain why. In, in, in Greek, in the original language that much of the New Testament was written in, there's, there's four words that are used for, for love. And, and what we do in our culture, we got that one word, we got that word love, and everything is kind of batched together in that one word. But there's really these kind of categories of love, and to understand the type of love that we're talking about here today, I think we need to go back to this original Greek and kind of understand what they were talking about, okay? So put on your thinking caps, like, I'm going to teach you some Greek today. You're going to leave here, and you can go to lunch, and you can say, I know another language, okay? So roll with me. There's four words 
for love in the original Greek language. And the first word is this, it's eros. Everybody say eros. Okay, eros is romantic love. Like eros is light a candle, you know, get a bubble bath going. I mean, it's like, it's that, everyone's like, oh, can we say that on a, on a Sunday? Eros is that romantic love. And you know what? Like our culture, like everything in our culture says that this is the pinnacle of love, that this is the power of love. Everything in culture, everything in entertainment, this is the love. In fact, love wins, right? Love wins is this statement that's, that it, it thrives in our culture because our culture believes that romantic love is the pinnacle of the power of love. And can I tell you, that is not what the writer of Hebrews is saying at all. And you know how I know that? This is really interesting. The word eros does not appear in the New Testament anywhere. That means this. Every single time you see the word love in the New Testament, you can guarantee yourself that it's not candles and bubble baths. That is not the type of love that the New Testament is talking about. Now, again, our culture says it's romantic love, and it's just if we can fight for love, and it's like, you know, if I can just carry the girl, or maybe the girl can carry the dude, you know, whatever, at the end of the movie, out of the burning building, that love will champion the day, and that is not what this is talking about. And I'll say this, like, romantic love is dope. I think it's awesome, but romantic love is not spinach. Romantic love is like iceberg lettuce. It's awesome on a sandwich, but it has no nutritional value. And that's what the writer of Hebrews, that's what you gotta grasp when we're talking about love. And so when we're talking about love being this thing that makes us strong, romantic love is awesome. But it's got no vitamins in it, okay? So eros. Then the second word in the Greek for love is, is pronounced storge. Everybody say storge. storge. Okay, storge is family love. Specifically, it's a love for parents to children and children to parents. It's kind of an up-down love. And so it is, there's a word that's specifically like for that, different than romantic love, it's family love up and down. Then there's a third word for love, phileo. Everybody say phileo. And man, if you love fish, you phileo fish. You know what I'm saying? No, phileo is, phileo is, is it's kind of a deeper bond. It, it connotes like a deep affection that you might have for a brother or for a sister. And so it's interesting that when it talks about family love, uh, that it really is kind of specifically parents, children, children to parents, and that's storge, but this phileo love just assumes that the bond between brothers and sisters is closer. And, and it also assumes this, that that bond is not just between blood relatives, that there is a deep affection, a deep friendship that can exist between people, a deep bond that is, that's like a brotherhood or a sisterhood. Now what's cool is that, or interesting is that none of those three words are the three words that the writer of Hebrews is talking about right here. Now all of those loves are great. Romantic love, woo, yeah. You know, family love, it's gotta exist, it's gotta be there. Deep abiding friendships, those things are so powerful, but there is a fourth word for love in the Greek that is the word that is used in this passage. And that word is this, agape. Everybody say agape. Yes, it is not pronounced agape. It is agape, okay? Agape is, is an unconditional love that's not based in relationship. It's not based in any history. It's just an unconditional love that is, that is played out in action. And this is what's interesting about agape is that like, 
out of all the loves that are kind of listed here, the first three are really kind of based in, in feelings. They're kind of emotions, right? I feel romantic love for, for, for somebody. I, I, I feel love for my child or for my parents. I feel a deep bond of friendship or brotherhood or sisterhood for my closest friends and their feelings. But agape, it's not really rooted in that. It's unconditional. It's not based on relationship. In fact, what, what's interesting about agape is that uh, agape is a love that you could have for someone you've never met, that you've never seen. It's a love that's played out in action. It's a love that's played out in things that we do. In fact, agape is, is such an important word, particularly in the New Testament, because it's more specifically dis- describing the love of God for us. Agape is a word that not only describes God's love for us, but it also describes our love for God. And, and what's, it's also translated oftentimes uh, as charity, So agape is this love that is lived out. So the love that makes us strong isn't romantic, it isn't family, it isn't friendship. I mean, honestly, it's not even a feeling of love. It's not rooted in any of those things. It's love in action. It's love that's completely unrelated to the depth of the relationship that we may have with with the person that this agape love is being expressed to. This is a love that is a verb. And so if you take anything away today, like this is what Popeye would want you to know, and it's this. Love in action makes us strong to the finish. Love in action is the thing that will make your stinking forearm muscles bulge out and you get an anchor tattoo and you beat up the bullies of life because love in action will take you from being a spiritual weakling to being a spiritual powerhouse. It's love in action that if you are feeling indifferent, it's love in action that if you're looking at your spiritual life and it's just kind of an accessory that you put on every once in a while, but it doesn't really mean anything to you, it doesn't really mean any, anything different for your life, love in action will transform that into being a central part of everything that you think about and everything that you do. And let me talk about this, because this is how, this is how God loves us. Like, this is a love that will never let us down, because this is how God loves us. And let me show you, there's three passages, just that use the word agape for how God loves us. John 3, 16, for God so loved agape, the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. Romans 5, 8, but God showed his great love, agape, for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. When we didn't know him, when we didn't care about him, God unconditionally loved us so much that his love took action, that his love took form, and that he came and died for us so that we could know him. John 13, 34, this is Jesus' words. So now I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other just as I have loved agape you. You should love each other. And your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. How did Jesus love us? He died for us. How did Jesus love us? He sacrificed for us. His love took action. His love took form. And it was unconditional. It wasn't based in our relationship to him because we didn't have a relationship with him. We didn't want a relationship with him. But his unconditional love stepped out for us and it gave everything. It sacrificed. It was unconditional action. Jesus sacrificed for people who didn't know him, didn't love him, and didn't want him. That's the type of love that when we start to incorporate into our lives and into our spiritual diets, that's the type of love 
that can transform you from a spiritual weakling to be spiritually strong. That's the type of love that if you are struggling with doubts about your faith, and not even doubts, but if you're struggling feeling weak because you don't know enough about the Bible and you don't have enough knowledge about all these spiritual things, that God's saying, I'm not concerned about your spiritual knowledge right now. I'm concerned about your spiritual strength. I'm concerned about your love. So you just... How do we live this out? How do we live out this unconditional love that that the writer of Hebrews is talking about? How do we live out this spiritual spinach that God has laid out for us? Just some ideas, okay, as I wrap up. Just some quick ideas. And the first one is probably no surprise because it's something Terry talked about in depth last week and really, really, probably one of the most powerful messages that may have ever been shared in our church about where we're going and about who we are. But some ideas, you can get involved in foster care. That's what we talked about. There's four things that you can do. One is you can foster someone. You can bring in a child and bring them into your family. That's a big, huge step. I know. And maybe that you can't go all the way, but you know what you could do is in foster care, you could do respite care. You could, you could open your home to kids who are in foster care whose parents just need some help or some support. And you could say, you know what? We'll take you for a weekend. We'll take you to a movie, get you some ice cream, hang out, build a relationship with you, and you just do respite. Maybe that's too big. Maybe it's too much. You could mentor a foster child. You could just be a big brother or a big sister. You could hang out with them, take them to coffee. You could tutor them, ask them about their day. Go fishing, play golf, build relationship, love unconditionally in action. And then if you can't do any of those things, I mean, you could very simply serve and give. We have a bed build coming up for foster care. We're going to build beds for, for foster families who need it, for kids who are being placed in their homes. It's a physical way to take action, to show unconditional love. It's something that you can physically do to make a difference and impact. Unconditionally, people who you don't know, people who don't know you, who don't love you, and honestly don't even want to love you in the same way we didn't know, didn't love, and didn't want to know Jesus. Some other options, a couple more. You can get involved in our nursing home outreach. This, in a couple weeks, I'm not exactly positive on the date, but we're going to have a group going into the, the local nursing home that we serve, that we serve at, and we're just going to have like a Christmas party. You're going to sing carols, and you're going to hang out, and you're going to hold the hands of people who are at some of the end stages of their lives, or people who are in a nursing home because they have nowhere else to be, and no one else who cares for them and loves them. And you can go agape those people. You can agape people by getting involved in our Midwest Food Bank cutting open boxes and sorting food. You can do that. You can show that unconditional love. And, you can, and man, one last, you can get involved serving our kids' ministry. You can agape the kids in our church by pointing them to Jesus. Kids you don't know. Kids you don't honestly have to love because you don't have to take them home. And can I get an amen, you know, on some of those kids? God's called us us to an agape love. But it's not just a calling. It's not just a chore. It's not this burden that we have to carry. It's a gift. Because when we agape, when we love others, it makes us better. It makes us stronger. It makes us the people who we we hope to be. It allows our hopes to come to reality because it's the strength of God. It's the power of God revealed in our life. Love won't let us down because when we love, when you love like God, it makes you strong. When you love like God, it makes you strong. And God's people are strong people 
because God's people are people who love. And we are God's people. And I know this, when we leave today, we are going to love. We're gonna pull tags off that foster tree because we are God's people and we are gonna love. And we can transform a world, we can transform a generation, we can transform a community simply by the power of our agape, our unconditional love in action. Are you feeling weak? Are you feeling bullied and beat up by life? Are you feeling spiritually immature? uncertain about your faith love will make you strong to the finish Heavenly Father I thank you for your word and I thank you God that this love you've called us to is not just a responsibility but it's a gift it's not just the job that you've called us to Lord instead it's it's this gift you've given us to make us better to make us stronger Lord, to take us through the storms and the burdens of life, God, coming out on the other side. Lord, I thank you, Lord, that you have modeled this for us, that you've shown us how to love. And I thank you, God, that you've given us opportunities to do just that. So, Lord, my prayer is this, is that as your church, as your people, that you would help us, teach us, and allow us to be a people of love. That you would help us to identify the things that we can do to transform our world, God, and that you would help us to take those steps. I pray, Father, that for each and every single one of us, you'd begin opening our eyes and our hearts to that thing. And Lord, I pray that it would be scary. I pray those things, God, that we're afraid to do would be the things that you call us to because we want to be that much stronger in you, that much more certain about the confident hope that we have in Jesus. Let us be people of love. Father, we thank you. Pray all this in your name. Thank you for joining us at Compass. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. If you have any questions about Compass or this message, contact us at our website, www.compassbn.com.